guys walk into a bar. One dodged a bullet and the other guy's life would be changed forever. This is a story from one of our islanders about a toxic relationship. Plus tonight we have a stalker in Melbourne that's sentenced and a podcaster friend is currently being stalked. Hi, I'm your host Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Well, there's been an overwhelming response to the last couple of episodes on stalking. If you're new to the show, maybe have a listen to the last couple of episodes, although they are standalone shows and cases that I've covered. First up, before I get to the show, just another reminder about the Australian Podcast Awards. There's thousands of us on the island now, and for us to win the popular vote title this year, we need everyone listening right now to vote. So far, we've gone past 600 votes or so, but the leaders are still miles in front. We are in a strong third place. So, please, if you haven't already, go to the AustralianPodcastAwards.com and register to vote. It just takes a couple of minutes. You also have 10 votes to spread around. So not only vote for the island, but vote for my mates at Bloody Murder. They're in a very close fourth place. Maul, M-A-U-L, Good Nightmare and Evidence Locker. So that's the AustralianPodcastAwards.com. There's a link on my Twitter and Facebook or just email me, Cambo at TrueCrimeIsland.com if you have any issues whatsoever. Let's get me up there shouting boom fuck on behalf of all you Islanders. We are actually, I would say, the leading real independent in your lounge room podcast. So let's get us up there. Now back to the show. And this week we have a story about a toxic relationship that ended up with several aspects of stalking in it. I also mention a stalker that's just been sentenced in Melbourne and a podcaster friend being stalked. After doing a lot of research on stalking last few weeks, it is such a generic term that covers a wide range of behaviour. So far, I, I've told you about the Japanese girl Shiori Ino that was murdered by her stalker that was infatuated with her. Now, that was after just one date and he couldn't let her go. We had Jan Fikowski and his fiancée that was stalked by a crazy anonymous woman that was absolutely infatuated with him. This nearly ended up with him doing time for a false rape accusation. Last week, we had the terrifying story from one of our islanders that survived her ex stalking her. Tonight, we have another story told by the victim's very close friend, It's a story of a toxic relationship, one that would end up destroying one man's life 
well, maybe not destroying it totally, but smashing everything he did have in his life to bits. Now, all places and names have been changed to protect the identity of all the characters in this story. Now, they were two co-workers who had arrived separately at the local sports club. They were surprised that they were in the same place at the same time. So they just turned up and they're, hey, 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 how are you? They were passing the time at the club, uh, throwing a few bucks into the pokies. Now, they're poker machines. We call them pokies. I don't know what they're called around the world, fruit machines. But, yeah, they're just putting a few bucks in the pokies. Now, they were both single at the time. Also, at the same time, there was an attractive woman playing the pokies with perfect makeup and a slim but shapely figure. The two men were not playing together at this stage. Well, she came over to the older one of the two men, Paul, and tried to start up a conversation. She introduced herself as Kirsty and did her very best, turn on them all, her charm, battered every well, mascara and eyelash. But this guy thought something was amiss with her. Despite all her attempts to pick him up, she failed. In her conversation with Paul, she told him her ex-boyfriend was soon to be released from prison after being convicted of assaulting her. Ex-boyfriend in prison, huh? And he's coming home soon. Well, he was the smart one. Bullet dodged. From the other side of the room, his co-worker Michael watched with interest. Michael went over to Paul and asked if he was interested in her. Paul said, no, I'm not. Fill your boots. <laughs> Fill your boots. I'm, honestly, I'm an Aussie. This is in Australia somewhere, but I've never gone, oh, yes, you, yeah, go for your life. Fill your boots. I don't know. Anyway, Phil, he's going to fill his boots. With nothing in his way, Michael started to chat to Kirsty, and she did the big charmeroo act. Bingo, it worked. Fish hooked. Michael wasn't anything to look at. He was very small, thin, and rather quiet. He had always had trouble with his eczema. Not someone you'd look at twice. He was so incredibly quiet and always seemed shy. But he had other things going for him. He had a steady job and he had a house that he had inherited. In an area like this, that outranks all other factors. It was an area of extremely high unemployment. There were only a few reputable large companies there and everyone wanted a job where he worked. So he had decent money coming in even on a low level every week and the security of a house. Michael had some great benefits and had been there quite a long time. It was a sought after job. Kirsty took no time to find this out and it was no doubt very appealing to her. So suddenly, Michael is madly in love with this hot blonde. Life seems to be perfect. She falls preggers, either on the first night or very soon after. Kirsty had children in their late teens who didn't live with her in her rented house. It starts out okay. Michael can't believe his luck. He kept going to work, bringing home money every week, and went out with and had a good time with his new good-looking love. Kirsty didn't work and lived just down the road from him. She hadn't worked for some time. 
It sounds like a good match at this stage, but all will be revealed. Their daughter was born and Kirsty moved into Michael's home. It wasn't long before Kirsty became extremely jealous of everything Michael did. Michael started to drink heavily and his eczema became really unsightly on his face. Michael hadn't given her any reason to be jealous, but in her mind, everyone was a threat to her security. Michael was delighted to have a daughter, something he thought had passed him by as he was in his late 30s. He'd never been engaged or married, so this was a significant commitment. The two new parents continued to drink heavily and go out. I don't think their daughter ever really had a chance to grow up normally. There were lots of problems in this area, with parents continuing to party as though they don't have the responsibility of children. Kirsty's two older children continued to live in the home she had previously rented, only now Michael was paying the rent. Her two boys were both in and out of work or on government benefits, so they had money. They didn't buy food, just their own alcohol, even though they were underage. Kirsty was buying them alcohol quite often and bought them all their food every week. When they ran out of food, they came up to Michael's house and were like a plague of cockroaches. They got on well with Michael, their cash cow. The house was owned by Michael. He had inherited it. You don't know how many times I tried to say inherited it. Oh, we got it. I think we got it. Anyway, he had inherited it. At one stage, they decided to do some renovations to it. Michael borrowed $50,000 to do the work. On the face of it, he had a long-standing job and he had the capacity to repay the loan. They got as far as the planning stage, but no further. The money was wasted. There were several weekends where they went to Sydney and stayed at a very expensive hotel. They ordered room service and expensive wine. The amount of money spent on those weekends was quite unbelievable. They just stayed in the room drinking. They didn't leave the hotel. Kirsty hadn't been with someone before who seemed to have money and security, so they just kept spending. In no time at all, the money was gone. And now he had a loan to repay on top of all his other problems. More problems he didn't need. They started fighting and the fightings continued on and it got to the stage that Michael was scared what she'd do to him next. She was physically abusing him. He decided to move out and left her and his daughter in the house. Michael took off on his BMW motorbike and moved into her co-worker's granny flat. He was only there a couple of days and when he went back to his home to get clothes, Kirsty talked him into coming back. He stayed a couple of weeks and the abuse started again, so he went back to his co-worker's granny flat. This pattern was repeated again and again, at least 20 times, but not always back to the granny flat. But nothing was going to change. The fact that they had a child was a big pull. There were various incidents when he returned home on separate occasions. Kirsty was constantly accusing Michael of having affairs 
even though he went straight to work and came directly home to her. He was always with her. He didn't have a moment himself to have an affair. Michael's business phone was absolutely bombarded with her calls checking up on him. It got to the stage he was scared to answer the calls and scared not to. If he didn't answer the phone, she say he was having an affair. She wanted total control. She was told in the end by his employer she wasn't allowed to ring him. And she did stop ringing. Her condition was that he had to call her every lunchtime and check in with her. Every fucking day. Now, another thing. And this one described as a doozy. Michael woke up one night with a really sore head. Standing over him was Kirsty with a fry pan that she just belted him over the head with whilst he slept. She justified the assault because, and now listen, she had a nightmare where he had been unfaithful. So she, therefore she was just getting her own back for fuck's sake. That's crazy, isn't it? But it happened. Another thing, his leather bike jacket was cut into pieces so he couldn't leave her on his motorbike. Now, I think myself that I wouldn't care so much about my jacket. I'd be taking the bike naked if I had to to get out of there. But I'm not in that situation, luckily, at the moment. So, yeah, this sort of crazy stuff happens. Let's keep going. The the BMW bike was attacked with a metal four-pound lump hammer. This was also to prevent him leaving her as she had made sure that the bike was now unroadworthy. The very expensive bike was never repaired. It sat in the garage in its damaged state. Michael ended up buying a cheap station wagon after this. Another thing. One night after another argument, he decided to sleep in the car in the driveway. After a couple of hours, Michael woke up after Kirsty had thrown a concrete statue inside the now broken side window of the station wagon. She then used the statue to break off the rearview mirrors. Her next blow was to throw the concrete statue at his head, which hit him fair and square in the middle of it. Next morning, he was found sleeping in his car in the work car park, covered in blood. His co-workers persuaded him to report her to the police for assault. Now, when he rang the police, they asked him to come into the police station as Kirsty had already accused him of assault. When he went to the station, in spite of his significant injuries and, not, and her not having a mark on her, he was charged with assault. She said she was just defending herself. And she took out an AVO out on him. Now, an AVO is an apprehended violence order. Now, this really sucked. After a few days, at her request, he returned home again. Now, you're a glutton for punishment. He's never going to learn. And now, you often hear of someone taking out an AVO, 
and then asking the person to return to them. By doing this, the person the AVO has been taken out on is leaving themselves totally fucking wide open as they've broken the order and can be prosecuted. And if you get caught in that situation and the person who's taking the AVO out on you, if they're doing it vindictively, there's pretty good chance, especially if this sort of shit has been repeated over and over and over again, they just get the shits with you one day, call the cops, the cops will come and arrest you. You can't just say, oh no, she called me and told me to come over. It's not going to work. Anyway, Michael and Kirsty weren't doing each other any favours, both drinking heavily and into marijuana. They seemed to be on a path of self-destruction. Michael kept to himself in the granny flat and drank beer. He got up and went to work each day, but was really struggling, and it showed in his performance. His memory was shot, and it was like watching someone wither. He was a nervous wreck, and he used alcohol to escape. The further he got in with this bitch, the worse the drinking became. Kirsty found out where he was. She would turn up late at night at the granny flat and start screaming at him. The granny flat was close to the co-worker's house, as I are, and he had a pregnant wife and a small child. The wife was pissed off. Well, okay, it says, I always say this. The wife was rightly so concerned what this woman was capable of. I just say, the wife was pretty pissed off. Stop this crazy woman coming over every night, shouting and screaming. Get rid of her. Anyway, the couple told him he'd have to go somewhere else. They'd been really good for an extended period to Michael. They just wanted to get him back on his feet, but he couldn't even help himself. So the granny flat was no longer an option for him to escape when things got violent. The pattern of abuse continued with him leaving, coming back, leaving and coming back again. Don't forget, their little daughter saw all of this and sadly, she probably thought this was a normal relationship. God help her, if there is a God. Michael was able to find very cheap accommodation in town above a pub. So that was his refuge for a while until Kirsty found out where he was staying. Stalker, stalker. Press repeat, press repeat. She arrived and started screaming. I know that there isn't much entertainment at pubs midweek, but this was noted by one and all. After a couple of these episodes, he was told he couldn't stay there anymore as it was upsetting the other patrons. Over the next few months, he worked his way through all the cheap pubs and motels in town. In the end, he had nowhere that would take him as Kirsty had arrived and done her screaming bullshit. She broke doors, smashed windows and caused other damage. The police were called several times and she had a really potty, vicious mouth, always drunk or under the influence of marijuana or whatever she could get her hands on. She drove the 30-minute trip into town to wreak havoc under the influence. Even in the toughest places, her behaviour was unacceptable driving away patrons and guests. 
His co-worker Paul, who had wisely dodged a bullet by resisting her advances, and the other co-worker who'd let him live in his granny flat, watched his demise. They supported him, but were shocked to see him return back to Kirsty and the toxic situation time and time and time again. I'm sure we've all seen this. <laughs> Someone, everyone out there, and we may have even done it ourselves. Anyway, this, was, this happened more than 20 times. His reasoning was always for his daughter's welfare, which is fair enough, you know. Every time he made some progress, it all went down the shitter when he went back to this doomed relationship. When they noticed he was turning up to work in the same rumpled clothes, sometimes day after day, he admitted he was living in the back of his station wagon. His memory was almost non-existent. His eczema was horrendous. The pattern continued. He returned, she got violent and he lived in his car. The phone calls at his work at least had stopped, but Michael was taking a huge amount of time off work. Michael was put on a support program by his employer to try and help him. Lovely. Fantastic. All of his holidays, sick days, long service, accumulated sick days and anything else he could access were now long gone. It was becoming unusual for him not to ring in and say he wasn't coming to work. He did have support if only he could find the strength to change. Sadly, he didn't take up the offers of help and it just got worse and worse. He couldn't break the pattern. The young daughter had to put up with around five years of her parents living this pathetic shit fight lifestyle and endured having to witness the constant assaults on her father. She grew up with mental illness, drugs and alcohol. The arguments alone would have been dreadful. She primarily lived with a mum who wasn't mentally in any shape to raise her. Neither of them were good parents. The daughter was removed from their care, but what had she seen in those five years and what would she be like in the future? having been the third unwilling party in this story. And of course, the child was used on regular occasions to get on the phone to cry and beg Daddy to come home, but then again, on other occasions, told to tell Daddy he was an asshole. She was used as a tool of hate. Now that's just not fair, and as we know, it's as, as, as low as you can get. So they lost their daughter. In the long run, Michael lost his job after enormous support and many, many chances and help from his employers. And this was a really good job. He had eroded all his benefits so there wasn't a decent payout when he was terminated. Michael had accessed every benefit offered to him. He even lost the house he had inherited. Now the last... The the listener heard of the couple. They're no longer together and let's hope that's so. It's just a dreadful story. There was no doubt a weakness in Michael that allowed this to happen. But meeting someone and falling into this spiral that ruins your life is almost unbelievable. Well, (laughs) 
<laughs> the listener says it's almost unbelievable. But I can tell you, if I ask for stories from people who are in similar, similar circumstances, it would probably break my inbox. Now, <laughs> the listener goes on to say that she was only an observer to this. So obviously, she doesn't know everything that went on. Now, this is what she saw, although she is quite sure there were many, many other negative occurrences. Okay, Islanders, now that is a very sad story. As you can see, stalking comes in many varieties. This was a relationship which started out okay, but then one of them became controlling to the point that they couldn't accept losing that power. Even though there was blame on both sides of the breakdown of this relationship, tracking people down and acting like a dickhead is just not acceptable. Now, as you can see in this story, this guy was trying to get away, but it didn't matter. Every time he tried to go away, she would track him down. She would just track him down, turn up, do her shit, and then just fuck him up. He'd then eventually have to move on from there. And then he ended up running out of places where he lived. And he was living in his bloody car. When he tried to do that, she's throwing bloody statues at him. And just while I think of it, Islanders, you know all those Facebook things that you use your birth date to create your stripper name or porno name or whatever? You know the ones that they say your first name is the day number, the second number is the month and the third the year? Look, please, if you want to play these little games, they're funny. (laughs) Don't use your real details in this. You know, because people or bots or whatever, they can start to find out so much about you. Now, just this is just a case in from Victoria about a stalker who was thankfully sent to jail. Now, part of this, the person that was stalked, the victim, they had their Medicare records sucked out of somewhere. Now, if you start putting your birth date out there with these funny little games... It's not long before someone can socially engineer somebody else on a phone. If they've got your birth date, they know your last name and stuff like this, they can start to get more and more information about you. Anyway, let's get on to this story. It's from Victoria about a stalker. And thankfully, he was sent to jail, but not very long. Let's get stuck into it. 34-year-old Mark Riley was sentenced for stalking a young 23-year-old dancer, dancer and Instagram model. Now, they're going to I'll call her Mrs. T or Miss T. She That's what the court called her because she's anonymous. This happened in 2017 when Miss T and a friend met Riley when he served them at a bar he worked at. Riley and Miss T exchanged contact details And later, Miss T and a friend left to go back to her place. Later in the night, Miss T's friend used Miss T's phone to message Riley, asking him to come over and bring alcohol from his work. Sounds like a good idea? Maybe not. Riley did this, and they all met at Miss T's place, and creepily... Well, maybe it's just a little studio. Riley sat next to her on her bed and this made her feel a little uncomfortable. But, okay. 
Miss T then drifted off for a bit and woke to find Riley still there and she asked him to leave, which which he did. Over the next few days, Riley messaged Miss T asking her to come to his place, but she made up a few excuses why not to come, but finally she decided to. She went to Riley's place twice. The first time there was Netflix and chill, But the second time, Riley made a move on Miss T, which was totally rejected by her, and she left. Riley continued to send her text messages and Snapchats. The messages included asking her out, inviting her to his place, some jokes and pictures of food. Miss T replied to some, but not all of these messages. So, all in all, at this time, this guy is trying his best best he can there's at this stage no real harm's done you know mm, that's that's the internet age of dating but then things didn't just die down and fizzle out riley went to miss t's work and told her he had a new place nearby now this is a little bit creepy now miss t was embarrassed and again rejected his offer so everybody at this stage if you don't know You should be stopping. Stop. No more cute little cat photos or or whatever. It's pretty much she doesn't want to know about you. So stop. Anyway, guess what? Riley sends her a Snapchat which said, Can you send me a photo of your bobs? Can you send me a photo of your boobs? Miss T was pissed off. Then she sent a message to Riley demanding he apologise. Riley replied, sorry. Oh, it, it, look, it's it's a little bit funny at this stage, all right? And, and in the end, it, it all works out all right. He, he replies, sorry, I've always just wanted to see them. I mean, what the fuck? I, I guess guys do like to see them, so you don't actually have to tell her that. You know, in fact, she shouldn't have even replied. I'm not victim shaming now, but she shouldn't have replied demanding he apologise. That's just going to, that's asking for more contact. Just block people. There's a block button on everything. On the 6th of February, 2018, at around 6pm, Miss T received a series of private messages on an Instagram profile from an account unknown to her. She received 12 private messages which contained details of her name, Medicare number, bank card number and employment details. The sender claimed to have videos of her using her vibrator, her little rabbit, in her little studio and knowledge of her safe code. Her safe code, I don't know if that's her safe in her room, or, I don't know, safe word? Anyway, knowledge of her safe code. Mm. After receiving these messages, Miss T blocked the account. Good on you. That's what you do. You don't fuck around. Just block. But, of course, they can just create another account. But, still, they have to create another account. All right? So, mm, that'll come up a bit later. And people, check your friends' settings. Say in Facebook, right? If you let friends of friends 
see your posts, then unwittingly a friend can friend the stalker who might be under an assumed name or some people just go, yeah, you can be my friend. I want friends. Look how many fucking friends I've got on Facebook. (laughs) Anyway, the friend who friends that stalker under some assumed name, they can keep track of you if you let your post be seen by friends of friends. So they can just sit there quietly, not do anything, friend of a friend, you think no one's stalking you, blah, 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 but they actually are looking at every post, everywhere you are, when you check in somewhere, whatever. So be everybody tonight, after you finish listening, go and check your friend settings or your security settings on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, whatever. Okay, please do that. Anyway, back to Riley and Miss Miss T. At 9.34am the following day on the 7th, Miss T received a like and a comment on a photo of, on Instagram from a different source and 20 private messages from this account. These messages suggested that police should look at her video collection and... It would be very awkward, your mother's cockboy seeing you rubbing your nice pussy. Okay, so that's inverted comments. It would be very awkward, your mother's cockboy seeing you rubbing your nice pussy. This is in court documents. This, <laughs> this is just sick. Miss T then received messages stating, "We'll be in touch," and three thousand to five thousand seems to be. A good amount. So that that's meaning for her to pay this dick fuck three thousand to five thousand dollars for him not to send all of this stuff to all her friends and family, basically. Now the account name used <laughs> this this is how pathetic it is. The account name used Miss T's middle name and her aunt's first name as well as the first name of her mother and her surname. How's that for digging deep? The messages received made Miss T feel unsafe in her home, causing her to stay with friends and prevented her from going to work, as you can imagine. But then you can imagine that, fuck, who, (laughs) yeah, come and stay with us. But is this guy completely crazy that he's finding out Details about your auntie and your mum's maiden name and all this sort of shit. You'd be thinking, is this guy going to turn up? <laughs> turn up at our place? Jump through the window? Anyway, she sent a request for help to some of her contacts on Snapchat. Now, at this stage, Miss T has no idea it's Riley doing this. So it hasn't just clicked, this is Riley doing all this shit. Because I guess... If she's an Instagram model or, you know, trying to do that sort of social media thing and you start to get thousands and thousands and thousands of followers, you're always going to get dickheads doing dickhead things and sending you shit like show us your tits and all this sort of stuff. This is actually now starting to go to a higher level. So I guess that hasn't just clicked thinking it's Riley. So guess what? Oh, my God, this don't do it. She sends a request for help on Snapchat, right? And Riley then contacts her, offering to help. He offered to meet and help her. 
Riley told Miss T that he knew someone that was good with computers and who may be able to help her find the person who'd hacked into her account. Probably because that guy he was going to get to help her find probably did do the hacking if it wasn't Riley himself. Oh, on 31st of April 2018, Instagram provided details about each of the profiles used which indicated that these accounts were either associated with a phone number that was saved on a, as a contact on one of Riley's phones or that the email address used to create the Instagram account was linked to a mobile number that was used by Riley to run a massage business. So <laughs> Riley is running a massage business. He, I can tell you 100% that no one's paying Riley to get a massage. Oh, he's got a couple of girls working for him, it looks like. Anyway, TPG, that's like an internet provider. Good on you, TPG. Speed up my connection, please. That's, that's an ad for TPG. Get them. Hopefully, they'll give me some free broadband. Anyway. TPG then provided information that linked the IP addresses used by the Instagram accounts on both days to an apartment in East Melbourne owned by Apartment Stays Melbourne. It was then established that the short-term rental was one at which Riley was a tenant at the relevant time. So there you go. you got to be pretty careful because... Every time you create an account, every time you do this or that, it's got to be linked to something else, and eventually they're going to get you by your IP address or some shit like that. So don't think, oh, i got 50 fucking email addresses and I'll send make 50 fucking Instagram accounts and I can hassle someone that way. Because if you're doing it from your fucking little basement at your mum's house, they're going to know. All right? Anyway, let's... Get on with this. Riley was arrested on the 19th of April 2018. And during the record of interview, he denied being responsible for sending the messages to Miss T. I didn't do it. He claimed he'd been running a massage business from La Trobe Street in Melbourne and had employed two females. He was unable to provide details of those females but stated it was unlikely that they knew Ms. T. He admitted that he had access to the relevant email addresses which had been used to set up the Instagram account. So there you go. Now, this Riley dickhead, he was on bail at the time, and of course he's breached that. So he ends up in court. He pleads guilty because he knows he's fucked with all this IP address all coming back to him. And, of course, if you plead guilty at an early stage, you're going to get an instant discount. So, on the stalking charge, he was convicted and sentenced to, now let's get it, nine months imprisonment. On the bail offence, he was convicted and sentenced to one month imprisonment, cumulative upon the stalking charge. So, Riley will be eligible for parole after 13 months from the 13th of May 2018. That leaves the new head sentence in effect of 23 months with a non-parole period of 13 months. Which, if, I guess it's lucky that there's no real super harm done. Now, this Ms. T, 
obviously is a bit scared about all this and it's freaked her out and all this shit. She hasn't been able to go to work and all this. At least she didn't get assaulted or murdered, which can happen. So let's hope this 13 months is... I don't think it's going to be. I'm, I'm trying to say let's hope this 13 months gives this dickhead Riley time to think about what he's fucking done and not to do it again. But somehow I feel some of these behaviours are just so entrenched in these people that, yeah, he's just got to use his 13 months to get infatuated with someone else. He'll probably leave Miss T alone. (sighs) Anyway, how he got her details. Now, again, we don't really know. It didn't come out in court. But, as I said, she's all over social media. There's so many ways to get a bit from here bit from there, put it all together, ring up somebody, they'll know something. If you can give them enough information, hey, it's really this me, I need you to send me this stuff, blah, blah, blah. So be very careful. As I said, everyone go on Facebook or whatever it's called and Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, just go and check your security, please. Anyway, the last bit for tonight. There's a podcaster, now, um... It's Kate from Ignorance is Blissed. Now, she's being stalked at the moment by some sort of random dude. Not so much random. They all know who exactly who he is. All because she interviewed a guy that reported on some court case that this guy... And, and the guy she interviewed sided with the victors. So he's at an interview and he's agreeing basically with... What happened, whoever won the court case? Well, the stalker dude sided with the losers and has been causing so much shit and stalking anyone who disagrees with him. Now, I haven't got the full, full story, but currently the situation is being monitored by police. It's fucking scary. This guy was able to dox everyone who's disagreed with him. Now, doxing is where a stalker will find out your personal details, which including your address. And then they stick it up on the web for everyone to see. Anyway, I will chat to Kate this week and see how things are progressing. But if you want to, have a listen to her podcast. Again, it's called Ignorance Was Bliss. You can find it on all your uh, podcasting software. So uh, the latest episode or so details a lot about this stalking and the troubles she's having at the moment. So uh, for everyone... On behalf of everyone, all the Islanders, stay strong, Kate. So, Islanders, that's three episodes in a row on stalking. Honestly, I could keep going on this subject. As I said before, stalking isn't just a simple focused thing. It's it's not focused on one thing. It can be anything from Googling or Facebooking someone, which is, I must say, please do that. If you're going out with someone you don't know, you've never met before, hey, that you should be doing it up to that stage, so Google or Facebook them. <laughs> then it gets up to stuff like people following people in real life. Some stalkers are just harmless, you know, and some are a bit of a pain in the ass. But there's some that can kill or can cause you absolutely untold shit in your life. But remember, if you are being stalked, document everything and put in a report to the coppers because hey they might not really care too much at the start 
But if shit starts going down, you need that documentation and you need that initial report. So just say, please, Mr. Policeman, just put down a report. I just want it to, um, whatever. Anchor this day is where it's all sort of starting. So that's a bit about it, Islanders. As I said, if you've been stalked, do the documentation thing. If you're stalking someone, stop. I'm going to have to say that every week, but yes, don't do it. Anyway, now it's time to shout out for the new Patreon supporters. It's what we do at the end of the show. But before that, just a reminder again, please help the island get the popular vote award this year. It really means hands on deck to catch and pass these other two podcasts. So if you haven't voted yet, please take the few minutes to register and vote at the Australian, well, AustralianPodcastAwards.com. We've only got a couple of weeks left until voting closes on February the 14th. Now, this is your podcast as much as mine, as you, the listeners, the Islanders, are the ones that keep me going. We still need at least, an, I reckon, another 1,000 votes to sprint past the leaders. They've already, we're on about 600-odd. There are about 1,200. There's only two of them. Now, I know we have the numbers. So, please, if you're listening tonight and you haven't voted, let's vote. Let's vote the next couple of days if you can. As the island and bloody murder with Tara and Barney, we're the, basically the only other two shows that can challenge these leaders. We're pretty close together as well. We are both genuine indie podcasts produced in our lounge rooms for our loyal fans. We haven't got production companies or anything like this so we're up against some pretty full-on podcasts here so get bloody murder and the island up there and i know we can do it because i know a lot more than a couple of thousand people listen so please i just ask if you could do that for us that'd be great and as tara says let's keep kicking against the pricks let's let's knock them out let's go one two so that's about it for the australian podcastawards.com any issues contact me so for this week's patreon shout outs it's a big shout out to eric mead cheers eric also hi to lacy maxwell hi lacy thank you very much hi laura yarnell welcome to the island and hi to x mysterious x that's that's all i've got oh my god i i love it that I can shorten my name right down when I'm filling out forms and I haven't got a middle name. But X, that's the ultimate. Hi, X, who doubled their pledge. Boom, fuckalunga, X. And boom, fuckalunga to Claire and also to Sarah Karismanis. Thank you so much, guys. And so much thank you all the Patreon past and present for all your support. And you know it really does go a long way. As you know, True Crime Island is a totally listener-supported podcast. That's yours. It's your podcast, Islanders. I keep it ad-free. As you know, I don't like the ads just as much as you don't like the ads. So if you want to support the island financially, for as little as a dollar a month, you too can become a Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash truecrimeisland and check out the levels and rewards. In fact, I have three mugs on the way to me to send out the three Aussie Patreons who are on the $10 level. As soon as I get them, I will post them forward. So normally I get them directly sent to you guys. 
but you're all in Australia, so I'll get them sent to me. It'll, it does, I can tell you, it does save on postage. Alternatively, you can do a one-off donation at paypal.me forward slash truecrimeisland. Also, you can support the island by getting hold of some merch such as t-shirts, hoodies, beach towels, fantastic tote bags. I've actually got not only the mugs coming, but I've got another tote bag coming, uh, a couple of shirts and stuff. But my favourite are the mugs of rage. All available from truecrimeisland.threadless.com. There, there is a link on the webpage to all this. I'm glad you got this. I'm glad you got your mug this week, Steve. We had a funny to and fro on the email. And yes, they are sending you a white one, so that's cool. Remember, listeners, please don't order the black mugs until further notice. I can't take them down without taking all of them down. I do have keychains, lapel pins, stickers, and beer koozies, which you need to contact me directly for. This can be done by emailing me, as I said before, cambo at truecrimeisland.com. And that's also the best way to contact me personally for anything else, such as case requests or just to say bonfagalanga. Sometimes Facebook messages get lost in the ether. Now, you don't have to spend money to support the island. Isn't that a good thing to hear tonight? You can also rate and review and tell your friends, family and workmates about the island. And if they don't know how to tune in, just show them. Also, did I mention to vote for us? That's a real free way to support the island. But search for True Crime Island on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and join the closed group on Facebook. Join the Please join the closed group. That's the best place to do anything. We're not on... I'm not on... My voice is going. We're not on YouTube. So if you see me on YouTube like before, let me know so I can get it taken down. Anyway, that's about it for the show tonight. Love, lots of love to Maggie James. I'm your host, Cambo, and you've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say... Don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night and boom, fucker, Oh, Don't forget to check your friends on Facebook.